everyone please be seated. We're going to have our time of worship with our kids, so children come on up. Oh, we have some. Thank you. Is that for me? Thank you. Oh. Oh, those are from, for Miss Darlene. Take it to Miss Darlene. I think it's for her. They're so beautiful. Miss Darlene, we thank God oh. for your smile. We thank God for your style. For just who you need, who will always take the lead. Being pastor's wife can always be fun, but we are grateful to God that he chose you to be the one. Thank you for you being you. With love, the children of the church. Wonderful. So now we're going to do our children's message. And you guys are so sweet to my wife, and I'm so glad to see you guys today. I didn't know if I was going to be able to have church with you guys today. Why do you think I was worried about that? What just happened? Yeah, a, hurricane, a big hurricane just went by to the west of us, right? So when a hurricane goes by, a lot of times there's special stuff that we get ready for the hurricane, right? What are some things that you guys got prepared, you know, that you did in preparation for the hurricane? What'd you do? Okay, you got books for when the power went out? Everything off the floor for flooding? Oh yeah, you took care of someone's dog for them? For the hurricane? That's awesome. Yeah. You got flashlights ready? Yeah, all that's good. Anybody else want to offer? Okay. Now, I want to I want to show you guys something. These these are some things that I always get ready for a hurricane. All right? First of all, I always have this ready. This is called a dry box. So anything you put in here, once you close it, this thing actually can go in the water. You can throw it in the ocean and it just floats there and no water gets inside. So I use it on my boat, but I also use it when there's a hurricane. So there's some things I get ready. What's this? Raincoat. Because it always rains during a hurricane, right? All right, so we got a raincoat. Um, this thing, anybody know what this is? It's kind of weird looking. It's a, power, it's a power charger bank for my phone. So you plug a cord in here, and then you can charge your phone. Okay, so we got that because the electric almost always goes out, even though they try really hard. Um, I always have this. That's a little pliers thing with a knife on it. So I'll set that right there. And then, of course, I, I wear this for a lot in the nighttime. Yeah. Yeah, just like that. I can make it brighter. Just like that. Is that bright? Oh, I can't see now. I just shine at my own face. Okay. So I get all those. I have lots of other stuff. But so we got the dry box and we got all these things. If you had to just pick one of those things, 
to get through the hurricane, if you, if you couldn't have all those, which one thing do you think that you would pick? What would you pick? The raincoat, okay. What would you pick, Abijah? Which one, if you could pick one? The, this, okay. The pliers, did you have one? Okay, raincoat or pliers, what would you pick? The flashlight? What would you pick? The flashlight too? The pliers? Yeah, so the, the hard thing is we need all those things, right? But if you had to pick one, that's what you would pick. Sometimes, though, we don't always have everything we need. And sometimes the hurricane can be a little scary. Is it, do you guys ever get kind of scared during a hurricane? Like when the power goes out or when it starts to get real hot because you don't have air conditioning? That's scary for me because it's hot. Um, but sometimes we can be afraid. You know, it's okay to be afraid. But, you know, there's a special message I'm going to share with you guys today. Did you want to say something? What do you want to say? You can tell me after church, okay? So, so you can tell me after church, all right? Let me tell you a quick message, and then you remember when we're done, and you can tell me. So sometimes we get afraid during hurricanes, right? And sometimes we don't always have everything we wish we had. Like, anybody eat all the hurricane snacks like in day one, and then you were out? <laughs> you know, your parents do the same thing, right? But we can be afraid, but the message that I have for you guys that's special today, okay, is this. That no matter what happens to us, whether we're in a hurricane or whether we're scared about school or whether things are going on at home uh, that make you afraid, you know who's always with you? Better than any of these hurricane tools? The Lord. The Lord is always, always with you. All right? And so today, the word of the day is the word storm. All right? It's the word storm. I am so thankful you guys came up here. Can you guys go back and sit down where you came from? And write down how many times I say the word storm. Thank you. Very good job. Well, I'm so thankful to the Lord that we uh, were able to meet today. Like I said, you know, this thing was supposed to be just a, um, you know, a tropical storm off to the west and uh, very quickly became a Cat 4 hurricane off to the west. And then uh, late, was it Tuesday night, came a little bit closer than we thought it would, bringing wind and rain and flooding. And I really didn't know if we'd be able to get here today. So just being here, uh, when many of our brothers and sisters, you know, and especially in southwest Florida, some don't even have a church uh, building to gather in right now, just reminds me of, of God's graciousness to us and also calls us to be praying for those who are in need right now, and we'll talk a little bit more about that later. One thing that um, I do like about hurricanes is, uh, even though I would never want one nor want anyone else to experience one, is they do tend to bring out the very best in God's people, right? We find ourselves being required to do things that we're not really used to when a hurricane is here or on the way. Uh, many of you probably use power tools that you didn't own and maybe never used before, right? Some of you probably had to prepare food uh, that made, would have made, in a way that would have made your ancestors proud, maybe on a charcoal grill or a little camp stove or something like that. We also help other people in ways that we never would have imagined. Regular people who don't ever uh, touch a, a power tool or a cooking utensil or a pliers or a saw become arborists, right? Or plumbers. 
Some of you became electricians, caterers, emergency health care providers, and even carpenters. We all find ourselves during a hurricane doing things we never planned or were trained to do. We do what we have to do to get through the storm, right? That's what we do. On this island, the island's to our north, we do what we got to do to get through the storm. But it doesn't mean that we're not afraid, right? The kids were, were happy to raise their hands uh, when I asked them that question, but any of you guys ever get afraid during a hurricane besides me? Right? It, it, it makes me happy to see some of you longtime conks raising your hand, right? I know that was hard for you. But we do tend to be afraid. I made the mistake uh, the day before the, the bad part of the hurricane came. Actually, it was on Tuesday morning. Uh, you know, we had time at home. We were kind of waiting for the power to go out, waiting for the internet to go out. So we were all watching some TV. And I decided I thought it would be a good idea to put on a, uh, a shark movie marathon. You know, from National Geographic. You know, those shows about sharks. And they had, you know, the top five shark bite capitals you know, in the United States. You know who number one is? That's Florida. That's us. Number one capital of shark bites in the United States, just in case you were wondering. And I watched that one. I watched Most Dangerous Sharks. I watched What Sharks Do to People. Why do sharks bite boats? There's a whole movie about that. Um, so we watched that, and, and I thought that would be a good idea as, as a family to sit down and watch that. And then, um, and then they, they had a special on Sharks biting people in shallow water. There's actually a whole episode on why do they seem to bite people in like two to three feet of water. And so I thought that would be fun to watch, right? And then we went to bed. And then the rains came and the winds came. And up, up, up came the flood. And we, were, uh, we woke up uh, late, I think it was late Tuesday night, early Wednesday morning, when the worst of it came, we were in a king tide. It was raining, the wind was high, and the floodwaters came up. And Flagler was uh, sitting in about, you know, three to four feet of water. If you didn't see it, Flagler uh, Boulevard was, was flooded. And uh, we, we, were, we were asked to go help some friends. And so we, we, I got up out of bed, and I put on my fancy flashlight and my raincoat and my hat and, and got on my water shoes. Because waterproof boots don't help when the water's up to your waist, Right. So I walk out, I take a step out, and I'm going to walk around the corner, and the water starts getting deeper. And then, and then all of a sudden, I start thinking about those movies that I was watching. And then I'm thinking, I'm, I'm in waist-high water right now, and all the water on Flagler Boulevard, that's salt water. That came from somewhere called the ocean or the bay. And, and Mark right now is laughing at me because, like, that is a ridiculous fear, right? And that's what I told myself. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to help my friends. That's a, that is dumb. There are no sharks on Flagler Boulevard or Flagler Avenue, right? And I got through, helped my friends, came home. You know what I saw on Facebook like two days later? There's a video of a shark swimming up the street in Fort Myers. A legitimate, I think it was legitimate. I did some research. I think it was real. All of my fears were real. All right, those of you laughing at there are sharks swimming up the boulevard when it's flooded. I just wanted to say that in front of you all. Uh, but that, that was a fear. Of course, nothing happened to me, and uh, that's really kind of random, and that probably is really no real, real danger. The, the bigger danger was probably falling into a giant pothole that was to the side of the sidewalk as I walked down. 
But oftentimes, when we go through big storms, we start to think about, you know, big questions. Big questions about life. Because those kind of circumstances, they change our way of life, don't they? You quickly change the way you look at life when you lose your house or your car or you don't get to go to work for a few weeks because your work is flooded out. But more times, however, the, the biggest storms in life are not hurricanes. More often, we walk through other kinds of storms, don't we? Storms caused by illness. Storms caused by family issues or, or our jobs. And oftentimes, we, we find ourselves asking this question as Christians. What is God up to in this storm? What is God doing in the midst of the storm? This brings us to the prophet Nahum. This is a prophet who lived during Old Testament times, like 600 B.C. He was an Israelite called by God to prophesy and teach God's will and word to the Israelites. Now, let me give you a little bit of a preview of the book of Nahum. Old Testament scholar Ken Barker writes, The last quarter of the 7th century B.C. and the first quarter of the 6th century B.C. were revolutionary times for the inhabitants of the ancient Near East. The year 612 B.C. changed the complexion of that part of the world. Nineveh, the city that represented the cruel and barbaric Assyrian Empire, fell to a coalition of Medes and Babylonians. Sometime before the fall of Nineveh, Nahum, an Old Testament Israeli prophet, preached a message of comfort and deliverance to the oppressed Israelite people. During this time when Assyria pretty much ran and controlled all of the land in the ancient Near East, Israel was under their control and under their power and authority. God allowed that to happen to them because they were turning away from God's law and embracing sin and the lifestyle of the people that surrounded them. So God gave them what they wanted to. And so they were under the, the barbaric control of the Assyrian Empire. Now God sends a prophet named Nahum. Nahum comes and shares a message from God. A message of encouragement. As Israel went through this storm of oppression through the Assyrian Empire, Nahum came to tell them that we serve a big God. And our big God is with us in this storm. And so that's the message that I have for you today. I don't know what kind of storm you're walking through right now. Maybe, maybe you actually were uh, hurt by this particular storm, by Ian, and you're going without right now. Maybe that's your storm. Or maybe you have trouble in your family, trouble at home, trouble at your job. Whatever it is, whatever that storm is, the message I have for you today is that we serve a big, big, good God. And that God is with you in the storm. Nahum chapter 1 verse 7 is the verse that we're going to look at. And in that verse we learn three important things about God's place in our lives during the storms of life. First, we will learn that God is good, right? God is good. And all the time, God is good. We have a saying for that because God is so good. Number two, He is our stronghold. And number three, He will not forget you. 
And so let's look at our text, Nahum chapter 1, verse 7. The first part of verse 7 very simply says, The Lord is good. The Lord is good. What does Nahum mean when he says that God is good? Well, this means that God is the standard. God is the definition of goodness. Theologian Wayne Grudem explains what this means, saying, Everything that God is and does is worthy of approval. The proclamation of God's goodness echoes throughout the Bible. Let me read some to you from our Old Testament passages. Psalm 100 verse 5 says, For the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting and His faithfulness to all generations. Psalm 106 verse 1 says, Praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. For His loving kindness is everlasting. Psalm 107, verse 1 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Do you see the pattern? Psalm 34, verse 8, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. 2 Chronicles 5, 13 says, He indeed is good. And you guessed it. His loving kindness is everlasting. And Jeremiah 33, b says, Give thanks to the Lord of hosts. For the Lord is good, for his loving kindness is everlasting. And maybe today you just need to hear that, and that's what you need to hear. That our God is a good, good God, and his loving kindness is everlasting. That means it never fails, it will never end. That he's intended to love you on purpose, right now, in the middle of your storm. So sure, the Bible declares it, right? The Bible says that God is good. But how do we know that God is good? Like, where have we experienced the goodness of God? We need to hear this while we're walking through the storm. We need this reminder today. I want to give you five ways that God demonstrates his goodness. Number one, God created the world and everything in it, and guess what? It is good. Listen to Genesis chapter 1, verse 31. God saw, that all he had, God saw all that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Everything that God made in this world was very good. It wasn't until man sinned that brokenness entered God's creation. God's desire and God's design for this planet was to, to give us joy and purpose and peace for us to enjoy what God had made for us here on this earth. And even though now we live in a broken world, we still experience God's common grace over humanity. What is common grace? That, that even though most of this planet has rejected God and walked away from him, God still blesses this world. He still gives us the seasons. He still gives us rain. He still gives us sunlight. We're still able to plant crops and harvest them. We have organization and government and safety. The, the, the planet Earth is exactly where it needs to be in the universe. 
It's tilted and rotates on an, an axis that allows us to have life on this planet. If we were any closer to the sun, we'd burn up. If we were any further away, we'd freeze and die. And Hebrews chapter 1 reminds us that God, through Christ, oversees all of that. In the midst of the sinful, broken condition of us in our hearts in this world, God still pours out his blessing upon us. Number two, everything that God does is good. Psalm 119 verse 68 says, You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. We can trust God that anything he does is going to be good and for our benefit. Every single thing he thinks and does and says is good. There is not one speck of evil in God ever. Number three, how do we know that God is good? Well, everything God wills for our life is good. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Everything that God wills for you, everything that God desires for you in your life is good. And it's for your benefit. Number four, God takes the bad things in your life and he works them out for your very best possible future. Now that's pretty crazy. The things that you did by mistake, the things that have been done to you that are wrong, all of those things, according to Romans 8.28, are used by God for your good. Listen to the passage. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Now, where have we seen that? I see that oftentimes in hurricanes. I saw it especially um, during Hurricane Katrina that devastated New Orleans. You know, while we would never want that to happen, that certainly was an evil in a broken world. Many people lost their lives. Many church buildings were destroyed. But you know what happened after Hurricane Katrina? Tens of thousands of people heard the gospel and were saved. People who would testify, who have heard speak with their own lips, that they were hard-hearted against God, that they had no desire for Jesus, that they never darkened the door of a church. Hurricane Katrina came, took everything they had, and they turned to Christ because that's all they had. Now they look back on Hurricane Katrina, and of course, they wish it never would have happened, but at the same time, they know that God used that to bring them to faith in Jesus. And you watch. You watch what happens in southwest Florida over the next few weeks. New churches will be planted. People will be cared for physically, but they're also going to hear the gospel and be saved. And that's a perfect beautiful example about how God takes things that are, that are, that are broken and, and evil and cause devastation and he turns them in to the good for those who love him were called according to his purpose. People's hearts are open to the gospel in times like this. When things are stripped away from us, we tend to be more ready to hear from God. Finally, number five, and in my life, absolutely essential. God demonstrated his goodness through Jesus. 
God met us where we were in our sin. The Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God looked at man and and through his love for mankind and the world that he created, he sent his only son, Jesus, to die on the cross. Jesus died on the cross. He received the wrath of God for our sins. His blood was poured out as an atonement, as a covering for our sin. He died and was buried in the ground, and he rose again on the third day and conquered death and Satan and sin's control over all who had turned from their sin and placed their faith in Jesus Christ. And so in the midst of the storm, we turn to Christ when we need to remember God's demonstrated goodness, we look to the cross. We have and serve a good, good God. You know, when the hurricanes come, when they're on the way, one of my favorite things to do is, is, is interview, talk with the you know, the old conks that have been here for, you know, 50, 60 years. And some of you guys, I talk with you, and I, you know, I always go up to them and say, all right, I know what the Weather Channel's saying, but what are you saying? Is this thing coming? And, you know, they'll be like, oh, my left knee's hurting, you know, so it's, it's probably going to stay to the, the west, but, you know, you better be ready. And for some reason, when they tell me, I think we're going to be okay, I, I have this kind of peace because they've been through so many hurricanes, I feel like they, they must know what they're talking about. Look, they lived for 60 years here. Well, let me remind you about this. And we'll go to the next point. But every storm we go through is one that God experienced on our behalf. Do you know that? Every storm of life that you have experienced and even what you're experiencing today, Jesus experienced for you. Let me give you a few examples. Maybe you're dealing with family issues. Maybe things aren't the way that you wish they were with your family. You know, Jesus was rejected by many of his family and closest friends, especially in those moments before he died on the cross. They left him. Maybe you're having some physical issues. Maybe you have some pains. Jesus was tortured and killed in one of the most horrific ways known to man, on your behalf. Maybe you're lonely today. Jesus died alone on that cross and was even forsaken by the Father when he who knew no sin became sin on our behalf, when he received God's wrath for your sin and mine. Maybe you're afraid of death. Most of us are. Jesus died for us so that death wouldn't be the end but a transition into everlasting life. Now we have a forever friend in Jesus. One who walks with us through the storms of life. And he's been there and he's done that so that we'll never be alone. Nor should we fear death because he conquered death. In the midst of the storm, remember that the Lord is good. But also remember that he is our stronghold. The second part of verse 7 says, A stronghold in a day of trouble. The phrase literally means a place of refuge during a dangerous circumstance. You know, for thousands of years, God's people have relied on him to rescue them from danger. 
He's our physical stronghold, our, our spiritual stronghold, our emotional stronghold during the storms of life. Psalm 27.1 reminds us that we don't need to be afraid. Psalm 31.2 reminds us that we can depend on the Lord. Psalm 31.4 reminds us that he protects us from our enemies. Psalm 37.39 reminds us that he saves us from our sins. Proverbs 10.29 reminds us that he shows us how to live and leads us away from danger. Isaiah 25.4 reminds us that he defends the weak and the helpless. And Jeremiah 16.19 reminds us that he is available for all people who follow him. Our God saved Daniel from the lion's den. He rescued Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from the fiery furnace. He divided the Red Sea so the Israelites could escape Egyptian captivity. And he provided Jonah a refuge in the belly of a fish, at the same time later rescuing him from the belly of the fish. God protected David when Saul sought to kill him and provided a safe haven for Joseph's family during the great drought. He protected his prophets, he provided peace for his people, and he planned a prolific future for his children. He is our stronghold. Y'all remember Hurricane Irma, right? We were in Jacksonville when Hurricane Irma came by, and uh, we stayed home, and um, it, it wasn't really supposed to be that bad in Jacksonville, but as you guys know, Hurricane Irma was like, uh, you know, one of those spaghetti models that didn't show up on the, on the radar, right? It came around here and went like this and hit Tampa and went through Orlando and then up the river. And then when it came up the St. John's River, which is uh, uh, one of the few rivers that actually flows north uh, from Sanford, um, it brought all the water right up the river. Uh, my house was about three blocks from the river. We didn't even show up on a floodplain chart, right? Like we're not even in one of those evac zones. Um, we woke up in the morning, and um, I went outside, and it was very early. The sun was starting to come up, and I looked at the street, and the street was moving. And I was like, I must still, you know, kind of be sleepy. So I rubbed my eyes a little bit. I turned on all the lights and looked, and sure enough, the street was moving because that was the St. John's River moving down my street. And uh, water started to come up in the bathtub. And, you know, that's not great water. You don't want that going in your bathtub. If you ever experienced that, it's horrible. And um, the, the, the river started to go up and up and up, and I started praying, right? Just praying to God, please take that, that river away. Please, Lord. And that thing came all the way up to the step before our house. Like, it was like about two inches, and it stopped. And then it started to go down and down, and then, thank the Lord, it went away. And then we looked down the street, and there were oak trees down. And so we were trapped in a house, right, with nowhere to go. We couldn't drive anywhere. The, the trees were blocking the way. No one would be able to come in, and there was a flood. And I remember in that moment, probably the first time, you know, that I can remember in a long time, just being afraid, right? I had placed my faith in this stronghold, right, my house, and it real, very quickly was becoming, you know, a, a, an unsafe place. And we're thankful, you know, that we have hurricane shelters. They save lives. And they're a refuge for people, you know, who have to evacuate their homes. Thank Lord I've never had to go in. Maybe some of you have had uh, to go to one of those. But during the storms of life, sometimes we're, we're looking for a stronghold, right? We're, 
We're looking for a safe place like we look for in a hurricane. And, and, and maybe you're in a, in a storm right now and you're wondering, where is that place for me? God is our stronghold. God is the safe place for you to go. He's your refuge. We shouldn't walk. We should run to him in the storm. Now what I've seen happen too many times is when people enter the storm, they actually turn away from God. Right? What is that? That's our sinful pride. I don't need God. I'll take care of this on my, on my own. When our God says, I'm the stronghold, I'm the refuge. And Jesus reminded us, come to me all who are laden and heavy, burdened and heavy laden. Come to me and find rest. Don't run away from him. He's the stronghold. He's the refuge. He's the shelter. And he will bring peace during the storm. Sometimes during life's storms, we wonder if God's with us. Have you ever asked that before, maybe in your heart? Like, man, my life is pretty bad right now. God, where are you? This part's for you. Nahum reminds the Israelites and reminds us at the end of verse 7 that he will not forget you. Look at the text. He says, and he knows those who take refuge in him. One of the real dangers in a hurricane is for individuals to become isolated and to face the storm alone, right? You know, we've seen the pictures of the person that was in the house alone, right? And now they're on the roof and waiting for the helicopter. One of the, one of the warnings, you know, about the hurricane snacks is don't eat too many hurricane snacks. You won't be able to fit in the basket when the helicopter comes to take you off your roof. But one of the biggest dangers in hurricanes is when we become isolated, right? Because we need each other. And one thing I love about Key West is the way that we come together in a storm, right? When the storm comes, it doesn't matter what, what your polit political beliefs, what job you have, what you did six months ago, we all come together and we make it work, right? We need each other and we know that. The threat to a person's life increases greatly when they don't have help, when, when, when they don't have someone with them during the real hurricane. They, they run out of food and water. They need to be rescued. They need shelter. But I've seen God work through hurricanes because God doesn't forget us in storms. Some great examples I've already seen this, this, uh, uh, during Hurricane Ian was our, our faithful first responders out on Flagler during a fire which happened to take place like during the worst part of the hurricane, standing in water, uh, putting a fire out. There's so many things that are dangerous about that, but they stepped out because that's what they're called to do. That's, that's what they feel called to do, to, to protect our community, to put out fires, to, to help people who are hurting and sick. I've seen people just this time during this hurricane take from their limited supplies of food and water and, and give those to others. I've heard of people wading through four feet of water to help stranded motorists. Our identity of a community comes, as a community comes together. And what makes it very unique and special is the people that live around you, they kind of, they, they change, right? They move from like 
being that's Bob, he's in the greenhouse on the corner. So you kind of know him, but not really. And then after the hurricane, once you've, we've helped one another, that, that's Bob. You know, his wife is on oxygen. Their car was destroyed, and now she needs a ride to the doctor, right? There's a difference there. There's just knowing of Bob, and then there's knowing him and helping him and serving him. That's what it means to know someone's name, to, to know them. When Nahum wrote that God knows those who take refuge in him, he intended to remind us that our God knows us at the most intimate levels. In fact, no one knows you better than God. Did you know that? Our God in heaven made you. The Bible says that he knit you together in your mother's womb. That's how well he knows you. I mean, you know your kids pretty well, right? I mean, you birthed them or took care of them after they were born. You changed their diapers. You fed them from the point where they took their first breath all the way up till now. You, you know where they have a birthmark on a place that nobody else sees, right? You know them pretty well, right? Like, God knows you that way and infinitely more. Like, he knows all that about you, but he knows every single thought. He knows everything, every single deed. He, in fact, knows everything that you did yesterday, that you're doing today, and you will do tomorrow. God knows all of that about you, and he loves you. And that's what Nahum meant when he said that. In the midst of life storms, we're tempted to believe that the Lord has forgotten us, that he's forsaken us, and that we're all alone. And that's why I read Psalm 23 at every one of my funerals. It reminds us that God's present in our lives as we encounter our most difficult storms, even one of the most difficult as we transition from life through death and into eternal life. Psalm 23, verse 4, reminds us that even in death, the believer is not alone. Do you know that? Even in death, the believer is not alone. And this is what he writes. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff. They comfort me. So I don't know what kind of storm that you're going through today. I don't know what kind of difficulty you're walking through, but I want you to remember that God is good. That God is good and that God is your refuge and that God knows your name. We serve a good God who walks with us through the storm. So we're going to have a time now of, of invitation. We're going to do a couple things today as we close. Before we dismiss after the invitation, we're going to have a special time of prayer for those uh, who have been affected by the hurricane. But during this invitation, this is a time for you to respond to whatever God's laid on your heart. Maybe it's time for you to take a step of faith and come forward and make that decision to follow Jesus. Or maybe you need to follow through the baptism like Tommy did. Or maybe you need to join this church. Maybe you're walking through a storm and you need to come to this altar and just lay that down by faith in God, trusting that he's going to help you. But whatever it is, we're going to use this time to respond to whatever God's done. And so I want to invite everybody to stand now. During this time of invitation, if you'd like to come forward while we sing, I'll be up here. The altar will be open. Let's just use this time to 
respond to whatever the Holy Spirit has laid on our hearts. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you. And we praise your holy name. You are a good God and you are our stronghold and you have not forgotten us. In fact, you know everything about us. You know our name. So Lord, help us to respond now by faith and whatever it is that your Holy Spirit is leading us to do. Help us to take that step of faith toward you. In Jesus' name I pray.